Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Um, today we're very kindly by, joined by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Hello, Jonathan. Good to be back again. So my, myself and Alan, we were on the UK Investor Magazine virtual conference last week. So do check that out because there's a number of interesting stock picks there to uh, to have a look at. But uh, but this week, again, we're going to be touching on the markets very briefly and, and then going into to three equities uh, that we've been looking at this week. But Alan, to start off with the markets, very hard to ignore today. We're down significantly in the FTSE 100. Yep. Um, at one point, we were down about 150 points, although we have seen a uh, a slight recovery um, from there. There's obviously a lot of factors at play. We're looking at, at COVID-19 lockdowns. We're also looking at the US elections um, coming up next week. I mean, do do you think that when we see these elections come and go, that people sort of focus back on COVID and and look at what happened back in March when we saw an initial drop down in uh, in equity markets before uh, before a big uh, before quite a big rally actually to some extent, and and then start to pick stocks up at these lower levels? What's your views on that? Absolutely, Jonathan. I think uh, this is classic. Um, you know, you look at historically at the US elections. Whenever we're in the run up in the in in the closing days and weeks in the run up to it, then um, all bets are off, and and people tend to take money off the table. That has the net result of of pushing the markets down because you know, although you've got uh, China as an emerging economy, um, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, it, you know, a, a real global player on the world stage. Um, and also China's recovering, of course, uh, quicker than anyone from the the, uh, the COVID tragedy. Um, uh, but it, it's still really the US that leads leads the way. And as everyone says, when the US sneezes, we always catch a cold. And um, I think that's what's happening at the moment. Uh, there's so much uncertainty. So um, reg- in fact, frankly, regardless of whether it's Biden or Trump, I think the markets will um, will surge back again. Um, the lockdown obviously is 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 uh, of concern too, uh, concerns for the leisure industry, for um, and for travel, um, and obviously you know it's not just limited to the UK. We're seeing we're seeing uh, curfews in Spain and uh, and uh, Italy and other countries across Europe. So uh, the extent of these lockdowns will be worrying. But none, nonetheless, as we've seen, uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of companies are able to, to trade quite a, quite satisfactorily through the process. And um, as we, as we saw yet again, maybe now's the time to sort of buy into uh, buy into um, uh, uh, do, do it yourself retailers and stocks like that because people aren't able to travel; they're not able to go out and enjoy themselves. So the chances are they'll. Pop on down to B and Q or um, or Wix or whatever you, whatever your preference is, and they'll buy stuff stuff from the home. So, whatever happens, I think we're going to see resurgence after the US election result, and also once we get some once we get some clear guidance uh, on the likely arrival of the vaccine for COVID, um, that will provide a further spur. So, to me, the markets look like good value right now. I mean, what what's your views on a shock like we saw at the beginning of, of the COVID crisis where 
Um, obviously, there were you know, oil prices going negative. Uh, you know, there was big concerns about the economies really locking up. I mean, do, do you think this time around that we're, we're in such a situation now where there's enough support globally? Of course, in, in the United States, they've had to yeah. push back their fiscal package, but it looks like that's probably going to be uh, agreed very shortly after the, the election. I mean, do you think that we're in a situation now where governments and central banks, of, of course, have provided enough support for the global economy that if we do see very, very strict lockdowns going into the winter, there's going to be enough liquidity there to keep things going? And then, of course, if we get a vaccine, we'll see a bounce back. Or, or do you still think that, um, you know, there is this risk of such a, a slowdown in the global economy that we start to see um, infrastructure and, and financial systems start to lock up again? I think that there is always a risk there, Jonathan. But but um, what happened at the start of the year was really it was really the great unknown, wasn't it? You know, this hadn't happened before. We hadn't had to deal with this and we hadn't seen at that point, the ramifications of the crisis on businesses. We, I, I think it's fair to say this time around, we've got um, a known unknown. Um, so we are a little further forward in understanding the uh, the impact of lockdown uh, and also the willingness of governments around the world to to put that put put the hand in the pocket and actually provide support for companies and for individuals. And I have absolutely no doubt um, that in the current climate, all of the governments will step up to the plate if needed to provide further support for employers and further support for families in lockdown. So I don't believe um, it is the big risk that it was back at the start of the year. Um, others may disagree, that's fine, but, but that's just my personal view. I think we, we now are starting to get to grips with the impact of this. And whilst more money may need to be spent um, uh, by governments on supporting families and businesses, I don't think it's, it's uh, we have the risk now that we had at the start of the year. Yes, I'd have to agree with that to some extent, Alan. I think the support there is unprecedented. Um, it seems in, in, in the UK that we're changing uh, well, Rishi Sunak is, is changing to go with uh, the developing crisis. So I think yeah. there will be some support there yeah, going that's forward. That's exactly it. The, uh, you know, the governments really are responding to the crisis now. The, the, uh, and also, you know, we've got, we, there's a bit of a track record. You know, the um, the ramifications and impacts are starting to be understood by governments and, and also the necessary measures. And uh, I mean, there are, you know, I, I personally think that uh, we're at the stage now where, um, I think uh, the the data on the NHS website shows that uh, of the deaths in COVID, um, 8% of those deaths are from people under 50. So I think they had to look at that. And it's my belief that uh, people under 50 should be allowed to uh, continue their movement, you know, with social distancing, with wearing masks and everything else that should be allowed to continue in the conurbations and outside. Um, those people who are at risk um, should stay in lockdown, should isolate themselves. And to be honest, it's a common sense approach. And I think most people in that situation are. So anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. I, mean, I, I think it's one of these things that you know the common the common sense approach um, is being adopted. I think to, to some extent by most people, and we're seeing obviously quite an, an increase in, uh, in in cases. But I just think it's the more the reaction that's caused the volatility today 
in uh, in markets, which I'm sure won't last um, forever as it did last time. But anyway, Alan, mo- moving on, we've got three stocks here, and I'm going to start off with um, one that's had quite a significant increase in first half revenues. Um, it's a company operating in the polymers sector in Itaconics. Um, what's been happening there to, to, to see this such a large increase in, uh, in, in revenue? Hello. Well, this is a really interesting company. And uh, you could probably say that uh, the company management have, um, have delivered uh, some false starts in the past in regard to getting getting uh, getting their products into the market um, but now I think uh, they've actually they, they've actually got great momentum within the business and um, and the take-up is is re- really points to, to, to good growth in the future so as you already said the company's itaconics ITX is the epic code currently has a market cap of 10 half million um, shares of traders high as 2.6p low as 0.25p back at the start of the year so had you picked up then you'd be sitting on a multi-bagger now um, but uh, the shares uh, are trading just below that year high today um, so itaconics produces sustainable bio-based environmentally environmentally friendly products um, polymers derived from itaconic acid which have applications in laundry water softening detergents um, agriculture industry and, and so on um, they produced a, or they developed a number of products, um, and indeed uh, they develop products in collaborations with um, Nurion in the US and Crodo, which is of course a, a well-known uh, FTSE-listed um, company here in the UK. Um, and uh, they've developed uh, products in the biodegradable, biodegradable plastic area. Um, and whilst earlier in the year uh, they they said that um, the uh, the funding could be could be an issue, um, the board in May deferred salaries um, at, and uh, provided COVID relief uh, and of of um, and, and also received some COVID relief rather from the U.S. government in the form of a paycheck protection loan. Um, in July they raised uh, they raised uh, one point seven six million. Two point two million dollars, uh, uh, rather, at um, an oversized, uh, an oversubscribed placing at one point one p, and they said in July that there was strong momentum in the business. Um, uh, end of September, they declared full year results. Um, revenues up forty six percent to one point three million dollars. Um, gross profits up two hundred twenty one percent, which resulted in net losses being reduced by eighty six percent. Uh, to 1.4 million dollars so still loss making at that point but making rapid progress and the chief executive john shaw who's driven the business uh, over the past year or so said it to 2019 for the company was a transformational year i should say of course these results um, of course were delayed along with other companies reporting during the covid crisis Uh, they were the results to december 19. so 2019 was a transformational year. He said we exited that year as a lean commercial operation with a growing customer base and a growing base of recurring revenues resulting from those collaborations with Croder and Nurion that uh, I, I referred to. Um, the company have today announced the half-year results to June the 30th. Um, and again, you know, we're seeing the, the shares are pushed a bit higher this morning. Revenues in the half year are now up 80% to $1.1 million. So in the half year, they've already done nearly what they did in the whole of 2019. 
Gross profits up 130% to um, $400,000. 400, um, the margins also improved to 37% from 35%. Um, adjusted EBIT dollar losses reduced from $1.2 million to $600,000. Um, and the company has half a million cash in the bank uh, as following the placing and also following the, the paycheck uh, protection, uh, production loan that they received. Um, got, and John Shaw again said today um, that the company had entered a new phase in com- commercial growth in the current year and there was strong momentum. Uh, clearly, you know, for any company in this position, there is risk. But I think what Itaconics have finally now demonstrated is they're in a position where they can continue to deliver this growth and they're at a point where they're going to turn cash flow positive very soon and that to, that could be um, a transformational moment for the company and also result in a significant re-rating. Also, just as an aside, given that they have these strong collaborations with the huge companies like Nurion and Croda, um, it is likely, of course, that uh, they, uh, one of the two partners may look at the company and say, well, it, this is growing rapidly. It's too good to miss out on. Let's, um, let's bring it in-house. Um, so, yeah, I think Itacorrents have got great potential in the coming year. Yes, indeed. I and mean, looking at those figures there, it, it does show during this period a company that is really um, demonstrated some strong growth there, um, which does bode well for the future. Of course, looking at the share price, it's been quite a rocky ride for investors over the last few years. But it yeah. seems though they're starting to gain some uh, some traction now in, in their market. So going to be an interesting one to, to keep an eye on. Indeed. There. So let's move on now, Alan, and it's it's AB Dynamics. Mm. Uh, they're a specialist in, in, in sort of test driving um, cars, and they have um, simulation services that, that they offer. So what's been the latest updates from them? I, I really like this company. This is um, this is one of the great things about this country that uh, we have. You know, we are we are world leaders in the automotive industry. Um, obviously, we're. You know, Britain's renowned for um, Formula One uh, racing, uh, innovation and technology. But AB Dynamics is at the forefront of the automotive technology world uh, for a different reason. Founded in 1982 by Anthony Best, um, clients include uh, the top 25 global vehicle manufacturers, also sports car manufacturers, including McLaren and Williams. And they are today the most, the world's most, tr- most trusted supplier of automotive testing systems. Um, so um, the, the company's currently got a valuation of 458 million. Um, shares have traded as high as £28.50 on the year and as low as £8.72, currently just on £20 today as we speak. And if you look at the chart, you can see, again, uh, with every other company, AB uh, Dynamics fell in, in March down to that year low and has recovered rapidly since then. And it's a nice looking chart. You know, there's a, st- a steady floor uh, where, uh, where each time it dips off, it finds a, a new high low. So the company, as I said, uh, works with the top 25 global vehicle manufacturers. Um, also, you, you see these crash test dummies and the NCAT testing laboratories. It provides the technology and equipment to all seven Euro NCAT uh, uh, laboratories. Um, and the company undertakes durable, durability testing, precision control. It's, uh, it's heavily engaged in the use of AI um, for um, active safety measures and autonomous driving. And um, uh, they, they have a suspension parameter measurement machine, um, 
which is the choice of car manufacturers around the world uh, and test labs and tyre companies and so on. Um, the company's driving robots, I mentioned AI, the, the driving robots it uses are the benchmark for the industry. Um, and uh, the, the company is, uh, is right at the forefront of the new advanced driving systems and driverless technology uh, uh, as we go forward. Um, we had an update from the company uh, on, uh, it was actually about a week and a half ago, um, updated on trading to the end of August. We are in the run-up to full-year results on uh, November the 25th. Um, the company has cash of $31 million, um, and it's uh, and it's debt-free. And this follows um, the investment by the company into its new site at Bradford-upon-Avon. Um, the company uh, uh, said that it had made progress against its five-point strategy to develop the business, uh, despite uh, the, some disruption from covid and it also uh, it made a number of acquisitions last year, which are bedding in well. Um, and as a result of that, the strategic development for the company is is rapidly accelerating uh, to corner an automotive phase. Um, again, along with other companies, it suspended the dividend. Um, but the company said uh, that um, um, as a result of the uh, improvement in trading, it expects to deliver revenues in the range of 60 to 62 million Um and although seven second half revenues were down 20% due to, due to COVID, the order intake uh, levels have now recovered and gross margins are expected to be uh, ahead of last year, which is an incredible performance considering uh, COVID. Um, on the back of that, the company are reinstating the dividend at the year end too. And it's only a yield of about 0.2%, but nonetheless, uh, you know, um, that's significant the fact the company has the confidence to reinstate the dividend. And this is a view obviously taken by the fund manager BlackRock 2, which has uh, now increased its holding to 4.6% in the company. Fantastic. So um, with this sort of company, of of course, during COVID, um, it's seen a very strong um, performance in terms of revenue. But I mean, going forward, I mean, it shows that the demand for their their products is relatively inelastic. Um, you know that it's been maintained. So, you know, a company like this is very much dependent on on winning new business. But if it already works with um, a lot of the major players, where does where's the growth going to be coming for for, for AD Dynamics going forward? Well, that's a that's a very good point, John. I think that they partly answered that with their um, they they have they are a cash cash rich company. They don't have any debt, so the growth is going to come from acquisitions. Um, and also, of course, we've got the new burgeoning EV technology that's uh, that's that's in play around the world. So so um, AB will be at the forefront of that. But um, but but clearly, uh, automotive costs, the cost of cars, aren't falling at all. So. That's reflected in the prices that AB Dynamics can charge its existing customer base. So I've no doubt the company will continue to diversify and grow the business. Um, and whilst perhaps it doesn't offer the growth potential that some stocks might, I think it's a, it's a niche industry. It's a it's a it's a, a UK company through and through. And um, um, t- to my mind, still a very investable proposition, given that they're going to reinstate the dividend. Indeed, and I think you know we obviously saw some signs yesterday from HSBC that they may be reassuring their dividend. So I think any company that is doing that or making making the right sounds in regards to reinstating a dividend should 
have some attention paid to them. Um, and, and as you said, the resilience in this company, looking at the uh, the numbers, um, I think it does look quite an interesting uh, prospect there. So we've got one last company to have a look at, and it's one that we have discussed before, yep. Alan, in Gfinity. Now, th- this, this is interesting because it had a very sharp, um, and then this is, this is sometimes when I think it's a very good example of uh, of stock markets not looking at the underlying reality of, of things. In back in March when we saw this very sharp sell off uh, in in markets, I mean the the price of Gfinity uh, collapsed. But however, during that period they were seeing a very significant increase in the number of users during to um, you know changes in people's lifestyles. They're, they're uh, of course a, a gaming company. Um, They've quickly bounced back, but what's the, what's been the latest from them? Well, this this is a, a fascinating area, and it's an area that, quite frankly, uh, leaves me cold. But um, uh, you know, esports and online gaming, it's it, it's just a massive burgeoning industry. So yeah, Gfinity are at the forefront of esports. They have a sports arena um, in in Fulham in London, and they they broadcast live esports competitions from that arena they also provide uh, a, a, a tournaments across um, gaming platforms such as xbox one uh, 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 tournament uh, clients for pcs online tv players um, something like 2, 2.2 billion gamers worldwide uh, uh, get engaged in this marketplace which is absolutely huge um, and the, the the company are just developing uh, different gaming uh, platforms and different gaming uh, tournaments uh, all the time. Throughout this year so far, they've uh, they've announced uh, partnerships or, uh, with Viacom. Uh, they've announced a, an e-cricket challenge, e-Premier League, a partnership with BT Sports, um, a multi-year agreement with Formula One, um, and in August they signed a uh, uh, they signed a deal uh, to run the VR League with V10R League with Abu Dhabi Motorsports, which is of course um, it, it's the centre for um, Williams and Ford and other key motor manufacturers, uh, where all of the Formula One drivers go and play these these virtual games. Um, this is um, the V10R League is now available across BT Sport, ESPN, and Stars Play in Arabia. Um, but not not content with that, uh, the company also developed GFIN Digital Media uh, with a uh, through a partnership with Venatus, where it sells its own advertising across all of its all of these platforms. Um, in the first, this was launched in April. In the first month, uh, it generate they generated two hundred thousand pounds from a standing start in advertising from their channels, which is a huge achievement by any standards. And on the year, they expect to generate 1.2 million, uh, or the, the, sorry, they expect to the the uh, GFIN digital media to contribute 2 million, not 1.2 million, to the, the bottom line of the company. So that accounts for the rapid movement in the share price since, uh, uh, since, since COVID. And of course, um, given the lockdown, um, the, they've seen they've seen uh, a surge in interest in esports and online gaming, um, simply because, of course, we're locked down and um, a lot of people are playing games at home. Um, that's continued to develop. Um, in September, they announced a Cadbury Heroes Parents League competition, um, which uh, uh, entails a six-figure sum for G Fantasy PLC, um, and this is where one gaming influencer. 
plays alongside a parent or guardian and the tournament um, will, uh, will, will, I think, kick off very shortly and be available across all those channels. Um, the, so the company, uh, the, the company has, has progressed uh, rapidly, but um, it was in the press at the weekend. Uh, the, we've seen state building by, by various, uh, by various uh, uh, people and organizations in this. Uh, Horse Geica uh, uh, now owns 4.7% of the company, as announced on the 9th of October. But at the weekend, none other than Harry Redknapp, former Spurs manager, former Portsmouth manager, um, placed a three hundred thousand pound spread bet, the equivalent to eight million shares, betting that the betting uh, a long bet on the company, betting that the share price will rise. So clearly, when Harry gets involved, uh, you know, with him with his reputation of brown paper bag bungs on the uh, on the uh, on the A one and the little shit in the happy eater or little shit, you can you can bet Harry's onto a sure thing here. So I just found that fascinating, you know, the fact that he's getting involved, um, but. As I say, this is for me personally. Um, you know, the, the whole esports thing. I'm sure it's very good, and I'm sure a lot of people enjoy playing it. it. Leaves me cold, but as a business, it's a fantastic business model, and I think this company is set to explode in the next year or so. Yes, I mean, looking at the strategic uh, review that they did, um, I mean, it, it just it's just full of um, sort of new ideas, expansion, and, and as you said, there um, very early signs are. Are strong from them. Um, of course, you know there's, there's lots of uh, different ways in in terms of equities and offers to try and play the uh, the, the growth in online gaming and, and, and esports. Uh, but I think looking at Gfinity, they, they've got so much on offer um, in in terms of their their offering. It is surprising that we haven't seen that the share price recover higher from here so looking forward to their next set of uh, figures mm. uh, and and what they do and, and sort of really trying to gauge the growth and uh, you know the, the sort of underlying profits that we've seen um, during the lockdown period because that's going to be be very interesting there I mean and it just just sort of going back I know it's something that um, you know you said it, it, it leaves you cold but I mean in terms of the sort of overall sort of gaming and esports industry I mean wh- where would you sort of put that with the other sectors in, in terms of sort of growth sectors I mean for, for UK investors looking um, for you know growing sectors is there anything else out there which you say would compare with, with sort of esports and e-gaming and the companies and, and equities within that sector. Well, we've talked about technology companies uh, changing advertising. Of course, uh, we've spoken about Bidstack, who have a, a platform to advertise within uh, within online gaming. Uh, um, but, but it's just the, the there are so many so many uh, people involved in gaming in, in esports and gaming online um, that the possibilities literally do seem endless and. I mean, my son, instance, I, I, for instance, I know he plays a lot of games with his friends online, and it's got <laughs> it's got to the point where where one of his friends actually paid somebody to come in and to teach him some some uh, I don't know, moves or cheats or whatever they call it, just so he could go into the next competition and beat them all. And of course, it's it's left him wondering, you know, what they could do next. So so it's just. The fact that um, people will pay to watch videos of other people playing these games and um, and working out how how to win it it's it, it's incredible. But you know it's a huge market, and I think it's got to the stage where a certain age group now they don't watch conventional TV anymore. They just watch gaming. That's it. Yes, 
yeah, it's. Uh, I think for a lot of people listening to this, will find it quite bizarre, but it's happening and it's happening in uh, in big numbers. It is. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's 2.3 billion gamers worldwide and growing rapidly. I mean, the yeah, I, I'm sure there's some numbers out there on the, the the size of the global market and the rate of growth each year. But uh, but certainly, you know, G G Fantasy had the platforms and they're at the forefront. And it's 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 it, there are some massive players in the states as well. Indeed. So, Alan, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. Thanks, Jonathan. Good to be here. So, just uh, just remind everyone that, that's listening, uh, myself and Alan were on the, the virtual investor conference for the UK Investor Magazine last week. Um, there are a number of company presentations, so do check them out on the video section of the UK Investor Magazine website. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.